So good, so good to see everybody. Thank you so much for being here. I wanna take a minute and I wanna welcome everybody who's watching online right now. Online, we love you. We're glad that you're with us. Come on, church, can we help? Welcome everybody who's watching with us today online. Uh, man, what a great day today. Uh, just excited, super excited for all that God is doing in our church right now. Uh, you know, we had uh, a couple weeks ago, we had 98 people make decisions for Christ, which is absolutely fantastic, amazing. Uh, literally, that's just revival, everybody. That is literally the definition of revival. And so I'm so excited about that and also excited about baptisms tonight. It's, it's happening, it's going down. I'm so pumped for it, man. It's such a great, great moment. We get everybody together and we do baptisms. Uh, it's a celebration of what God's doing in, in people's hearts. And so it's, it's going public with our faith. And I just wanna encourage you, if you have made a decision to follow God and you haven't taken that step yet, Tonight is your night. I wanna encourage you to, to just jump in and, uh, and take that step of obedience. And that's really what it is. It's a step of obedience, it's a step of faith. The reason it matters, the reason we do it, is because Jesus said, do it. So if Jesus says to do it, it's probably a good idea. And then he adds, like, he adds a cherry on top and he says, not only should I tell you to do it, but I'm gonna model it for you. And he got baptized, not because he needed it, but because he just wanted to show everybody how important it was. And so I wanna encourage you to take that step of faith. I can't explain all of the reasons why it's so significant and so powerful, but, but when, you, when you go through that experience, it's just really, really meaningful. Uh, the, whole, the whole reasoning for it is there's like this identification with Jesus as we get baptized under the water, we're identifying with his death. And when we come up out of the water, we're identifying with his resurrection. And there's something really, really unique about that and powerful. So I wanna encourage you to take that step if you haven't done that. Uh, tonight is your night. In fact, why don't you find 16 people next to you and just tell them tonight is your night. Just tell 16 people, tonight is your night. Maybe for some of you, that was a word, okay? For some of you, that was a word from the Lord to take that step. Uh, man, I'm just so pumped. Man, today, worship was fire. Come on, somebody. Come on, show some appreciation to our worship team and production team. Let's, let's thank the production team in the back, that back line back there, making it all happen. You guys, the unsung heroes, love you, love our church and all of our, let's thank the kids workers while we're at it. Let's thank all the kids workers, all the kids workers, changing those diapers for Jesus. Whew. And all the parking people, let's thank all the parking people. <laughs> And all the hospitality people, we love you too. We wouldn't have coffee without those hospitality people. That's not even church without the coffee. So anyways, I'm just, uh, I'm really, really thankful for our church. What an amazing journey we've been on over the last, uh, I mean, I guess nine years. Uh, now that we celebrated nine years as a church, but uh, the last two years specifically, uh, the last six months more recently, Man, it's just been really, really substantial. And, and uh, I was talking with one of our amazing uh, production volunteers and who's been with us almost this morning. I was talking to him and who's been with us almost from the beginning. And uh, he said, you know what? And God's still on the move. He's still on the move. And I feel that, I feel that. And so I wanna say thank you for praying. Thank you for being a part. Thank you for partnering with us. It's just so cool to see what God's doing and uh, just so thankful for our church. Um, let's jump into uh, some content today. I wanna look at uh, week two of a series we've called Theophany. And we're talking about what it looks like when God shows up. 
What, what happens when God intervenes? Uh, throughout the Old Testament, you have these moments when, when God makes his presence very personal, where he shows up in a very audible, a very personal, a very like demonstrable way. And this is called a theophany. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, write this down because this will help you. A theophany is a visible manifestation of God to humankind. It's when God shows up, it's when God is present. It's when God makes his presence very personal. We have, we have, we have moments in the Bible where God's just, he's there, but then God shows up in a personal way, in a, in a very present way, in a very undeniable way. And it's when God intervenes. And when he does that, it's, it's such a cool communication of God's heart. And God's heart is not just to sit back and let us figure stuff out. God wants to be there with us. God wants to go through things with us. God wants to help us. He wants to strengthen us. He doesn't just sit back and say, come on, y'all figure it out. He says, no, I'm gonna be there with you and I'm gonna go through this with you and I'm gonna help you as you go through the thing that you're struggling with, with you and I'm gonna help you. That's the God of the Bible. He's a God who wants to make his presence personal. And when we look at these theophanies in the Old Testament, they help us understand who he is in a more personal way. And today we're going to be looking at a guy named Jacob. All right. We're going to be looking at a guy named Jacob and Jacob learns a very, very important lesson. He learns a lesson to stop fighting and to start clinging. Okay. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. All right. Stop fighting and start clinging. And the reason Jacob learns this lesson is because Jacob is a little bit of a, he's a little bit of a fighter. He's a little bit of a, a, a scrappy guy. He he's likes to fight guy. He's the guy growing up in school, he always got in fights, all right? He's the guy who's always working an angle. He's the guy who's always trying to, trying to connive, trying to manipulate situations. Um, I kind of think he's, if you're gonna compare him to pop culture, he might be kind of like Sylvester Stallone in Rocky. Okay, anybody, just raise your hand if you've seen Rocky or ever heard of Rocky or Sylvester Stallone. Uh, okay, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's a pretty classic character. Um, and there's, a, there's this part in the beginning of the, the first movie where, you know, he's, he's worried about a, a fighting Apollo and, and, he, and he, he sits down on the bed next to Adrian and, 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 and he, says, he says, you know, I just don't wanna be a bum from the streets. Nailed it. They, I tried. I actually didn't practice that much. So I need to practice more. But it's like this whole idea, I didn't do it in first service. So I thought I was just feeling froggy in second service. So um, anyways, the whole point is that he's trying, he's trying to, he's scrappy. He's, he's, he's constantly fighting. He's, he's always working his angles. This is Jacob. Jacob feels like a fighter and he's always trying to prove himself. I mean, literally right from the m moment he's, well, actually in the, in the, while he's in the mother's womb, his mom's womb, he's fighting with his twin brother Esau. I mean, this dude is a fighter. He's scrappy. And, uh, and he's always trying to get ahead. And this, this message today is for, for all of us who are constantly fighting. It's all of us who are, trying, who are trying to make something happen. 
You're trying to work your angle. Maybe you're trying to make someone love you. You're trying to get affection. You're trying to get recognition. You're trying to prove your worth. You're trying to prove your validity to the world. You're trying to show everybody that you are something, that you're smart enough, that you're good enough, and doggone it, people should like you for it. I mean, this is, this is this, you're, you're, you're just working it, and, and this is so many of us, isn't it? Trying to make situations work out the way we want them to work out. Control freaks. This message is for all the control freaks out there. How many control freaks? Come on, just, just admit it if you are. Not much honesty in church today. It's just, okay, we'll get, we'll get honest now. How many of you are married to a control freak? Just raise your hand if you're married. Yeah, All, both services, more hands. And in the first service, both of my wife's hands were up for that question. And it was hard to preach after that. This is, this is for all the people. Uh, some of you know me, you're like, yeah, she was right. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is for the people who are trying to make, make things happen. This is Jacob and, and he learns this lesson later in his life. He learns that, that his fighting is actually leaving him lacking. The thing that he's fighting for, he doesn't find because he's continually scraping and scrapping and trying to get ahead and, and he loses the thing that he wants so much. It's very interesting. What he has to learn is he has to stop fighting and he needs to start clinging. And, and this happens again, right, right from the very beginning. He has this promise on his life as he's wrestling in the womb his mom's like, what's going on here? And she goes to God and God says to her in Genesis chapter 25, says, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Now, this is, this is very contrary to what would have happened in that day because in that day, the oldest got most of the blessing like a disproportionate amount of the blessing because the oldest, as all of us know, is usually the best. As an oldest child, I can attest to this. It's true in my family. I mean, it, mom and dad, we peaked with me and then it just went down from there. So, so in, the, in, in the Old Testament, the, the oldest got the blessing. The oldest got the blessing and, and yet, Jacob is gonna be the younger, barely. He's a twin and he's barely the younger because even as he's coming out of the womb, we're gonna find out like he's pulling a Rocky movie. He's trying to grab a hold. He's holding on to his brother's heel as he's coming out. I mean, this guy's a fighter. And, and so he's come, as he's coming out of the womb, like this is just a, 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 a very interesting moment. But the promise is that, that he, that he will be blessed. Now, look at this. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. And the first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Pause for a moment, terrifying. I mean, the Bible is the furthest thing from boring, right? I mean, you start reading the Bible, it's like, that's interesting and awesome. Can you imagine being like, you know, uh, either Jacob or Rebecca in this moment. And you know, this baby comes out and is hairy like a garment. 
I mean, and you, I mean, the birthing process, let's just be honest, we try to make it all so cute. We, save, we, we take pictures after the thing's all cleaned up, right? You know what I'm saying? And, but when it comes out, it's a whole thing. But then Harry and all of the, all, I mean, you're kind of like, can we give it back? Like, I mean, you're just kind of for a moment. <laughs> Terrifying. You're like, what, what is this thing? So they named him Esau, uh, which means red or, 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 or even Harry. So they're like, this dude's red and Harry. And after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. I mean, this dude, he's hanging on. And you know, this is like the Rocky music. Like, you just see him like hanging on, you know, he's coming out. And uh, so he was named Jacob, which means heel grabber. <laughs> heel grabber, deceiver or deceiver. That's what it means. And so... So he's prophesied, Jacob's prophesied to be the stronger one and Esau the weaker one. But that doesn't look like that's happening when they're, when they're being raised. Because Esau is, is kind of like this ultimate man's man, all right? Like he wants to shop at Bass Pro, come on somebody. <laughs> he's, he doesn't have one Traeger, he's got three, you know, just in case. All right, he's a man's man, he likes chopping wood. He loves being outside. He loves like shooting things and then like killing things and then having someone else cook those things. This is like, this is, Esau's a man's man. All the men that me hear you. <laughs> That's Esau. And Jacob is not that. Esau's out in the field. Jacob's at home with mom. He's a mama's boy, all right? He's sweet, he's kind, he's conniving, he's deceitful. Um, and and so, so, so anyways, it doesn't look like this promise is gonna happen. So he's promised to be the strong one and yet he's kind of at home. He, he's promised to be the, 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 the leader and yet Esau's the big hairy dude who likes to kill things and he looks like he's gonna get the blessing. Instead of trusting the promise that God had put on his life, what Jacob does is he tries to take matters into his own hands. He tries to make the situa situation work for himself. And, and he tricks Esau into selling his birthright to him over a bowl of soup. I wanna encourage you to go read this story this week on your own. It's a very fascinating story. But he tricks his brother into selling the, the birthright to him. He was going to get the birthright, but he takes it into his own hands when his, when his brother is uh, famished and looking for food. And so he's like, I'll make you a bowl of soup. And his brother's like, fine, you can have my birthright. And then he tricks his dad later into getting the blessing. So he tricks his, which is a big deal. The, the, the patriarchal blessing in that day would have been a significant deal. And he tricks his dad into giving him the blessing because He's like, he, his dad's like, I can't see, I'm about to die and I'm getting old and you know, I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing you know, uh, life. And so I want uh, Esau, go out and cook me some food, go catch me some food, bring it back and, and I'm gonna bless you. So Jacob tricks his dad into believing that he's Esau so he can get the blessing. So he makes him some stew and puts, check this out. The dude is so hairy that he puts sheepskin on his arms and goes to dad and says, dad, it's, it's me, Esau. How hairy do you have to be? That's all I have, I'm just asking. The dude was hairy. 
Oh yeah, that feels just like a goat. Must be my son Esau. I'm just saying. Anyway, so he tricks his dad into getting the blessing. And because of it, his brother is ticked. And mom's like, okay, you have to get out of here. And so he moves away and moves to this place where, uh, where he's trying to find God's plan for him. And on the way, God meets him, which is very, very cool. And instead of just being like, oh God, I need you. I'm just, thank you for meeting me. He tries to work God. I mean, the dude can't stop working situations. Look at this, Genesis 28, verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I will return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. He's like, God, if you do all of these things, A, B, C, D, and E, if you take care of me and you make sure I'm good and make sure I have clothes to wear and food in my belly, then I will serve you. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Like, God, if you'll just get me out of this trouble, you just get me out of this trial, then I'll start doing the right thing. He's trying to work God. He's trying to work it. The dude can't stop working situations and it always ends up going bad for him. He moves away to find himself in a situation with somebody that's even trickier than him. His uncle Laban, who becomes his father-in-law. And that day, apparently that was okay, all right? It's not okay, except in Arkansas in our day today. Um, Sorry, I know, it's cheap, cheap shots. Um, There's a lot of narrative, I gotta keep it interesting. Okay, so, all right. so he, he, he meets his uncle who becomes his father-in-law and he, he, he falls in love with this girl and uh, her name is Rachel. And he's like, oh, she is just, the Bible says that she is lovely in form. So she's like, hey, man, she is smoking. I, man, I can't believe she is, I wanna marry her. And, um, and then there's another, her, her sister, his name is Leah. And the Bible says that she has weak eyes. And that's the Bible's way of saying she ugly. That's what the Bible's saying. That's, that's it. Hard to look at, okay? That's what the Bible's saying, all right? So this is what his, this is what his uncle does. Like, oh, you want the one lovely in form? Great, yeah, we'll do, work seven years to get her and then have the big wedding ceremony. And, her, and his uncle does this. I don't, know, I don't know when this happened, after the wedding ceremony, after people had had lots of wine. Anyways, he goes to bed with the one who had weak eyes and wakes up and going, ah! what happened? Tricked, he got tricked. He got out tricked. And, and, and so a very contentious relationship begins, obviously. Lots of drama in the household with his uncle, now father-in-law. And he's like, I've got to get out of this situation. He's trying to work situations. He's trying to uh, get sheep that are healthier. This whole thing is going south. Read it on your own. And he's like, I got to get out of here. And I got to go back to where I came from. And even though I know Esau's mad at me, I'll find a way to work it again. I'll find a way to control the situation again. I've manipulated my way out of situations. It's continued to go bad for me, but surely this time I'll figure it out. Surely this time it will, I'm gonna make it happen. I'm smart enough. I'm, 
I'm strategic enough. I'm conniving enough. I will work this out. And we come to Genesis chapter 32. If you have your Bibles, I wanna encourage you to, to follow along. I, I, I'm gonna read through this and it's, there's quite a bit of scripture. So I'd like for you to, to, to follow along. If you, if, you have, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can just open up your phone and uh, go to the app store. The, there's a Bible app. Just says the Holy Bible, you can download it. And if you have T-Mobile service, you get lightning fast speed right here. <laughs> lightning fast speed at the church. Um, download the Bible app. I, I think Verizon does okay as well um, here at Summit Park. But I wanna encourage you, follow along. Genesis 32 in the NIV. In the NIV is what we're gonna be reading. And if you're ready to jump in, say I am. All right. Verse three. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he instructed them, this is what you are to say to my Lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and I've remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats and male and female servants. Now I'm sending this message that I might find favor in your eyes. It's like, go to my brother and say, hey, I'm coming home and I can't wait to see you. And God's blessed me and please don't kill me. And when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, um, we went to your brother Esau. And this is, you know, whenever you're delivering bad news to your boss, not a good situation, right? You're like, went to your brother Esau and, and he's coming. He's actually coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. <laughs> this is not a welcome home wagon. This is not like, oh, so glad to see you, brother. We've missed you. This is brother. I have been waiting for this moment for 20 years and I am taking you out. And my 400 men with me are gonna make sure of it. And Jacob is terrified, he's terrified. And verse seven says this, in great fear and distress, he's like, okay, I gotta work this again. He divided the people who were with him into two groups. And he thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, then, then the other group that is left may escape. And then he prays, so he strategizes, and then he prays, which is good. It's a good prayer actually as well. He says, oh God of my father, Abraham, God of my father, Isaac, Lord, you said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I'll make you prosper. I am unworthy of all your kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I've become two camps. Save me. I pray from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Great prayer. I would love to actually break down that prayer because I think it's actually clinical. I don't deserve it. You've promised to help me. You've helped me before. Please help me again. There's a lot of good things here. Uh, but what I think actually is, I don't think he's trusting God yet. He's going to God but he's not trusting God. I think he's checking off the boxes. I think he's covering his bases. And how many of you know we can find ourselves doing the same thing? How many know you can pray prayers that you don't really mean? You're praying it because you know you should do it, but your heart's not in it. I think God still hears those prayers. I think God responds to those prayers but we haven't moved to the place of trusting God yet. And that's where God wants to get Jacob. And the reason we know, I believe that he's not trusting God yet is because you can see it in verse 13. He's still finagling things. Verse 13, he spent the night there and from 
what he had with him. He selected a gift for his brother Esau, 200 female goats and 20 male goats and 200 oos and uh, 20 rams and 30 female camels with their young and 40 cows and 10 bulls and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. And he put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself and said to his servants, go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. So he's giving gifts one right after another. What's he trying to do? He's trying to soften Esau up. He's trying to make it happen. He's trying to make this work out for him. And then when he instructed the, the one in the lead, when my brother Esau meets you, who do you belong to and where you're going and who owns all these animals in front of you, you are to say to him, they belong to your servant Jacob and they are a gift to my Lord Esau and he's coming behind us. Oh, here are all these gifts. Oh, your brother loves you. Oh, it's just all these lavish and, and oh, he can't wait to see you. And oh, by the way, please don't kill him with those 400 men. That's what's happening. He's working it. He's working it. He's working it. And here's what's amazing. Jacob, the fighter, Jacob, the boxer, Jacob, the one who's always in a contentious relationship, trying to make something happen. And God's trying to burn that out of him. Jacob, the one who's making it, he's making things happen on his own in his own way. God's like, I gotta change that. Jacob, the wrestler gets met by God as guess what? A wrestler. God shows up to Jacob, the wrestler, as a wrestler. I love this because God will meet us where we are, how we are, sometimes as we are, so that he can get us where he wants us to be. He's so good. It's amazing. And watch what happens. Instead of just being like, oh God, have your way, Jacob fights back. It's a very interesting story, verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the fort of the Jabbok. And after he'd sent them across, he's hanging out over on this one side of the river with all of his, uh, by himself, verse 24. So Jacob was left alone and a man who was God wrestled with him till daybreak. Now, this is really important to understand that when, when God shows up and wrestles as a man with men, he's not really wrestling. How many know he's not really trying? He's God. He's like, he's like both arms, feet tied behind his back. This is like, when, you know, a parent with their toddler, right? You know, and they're wrestling and they hold you down like, I win. You know, you, you know, you, you know this is kind of like professional wrestling. It's not real. For those that found that out in church today, I'm sorry that I, I ruined it for you. It's not real. This is God limiting himself in human flesh as he will do 14 generations later as Jesus and as he is doing right now as pre-incarnate Christ. Jesus is wrestling Jacob. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched, he just kind of went, just popped the socket out of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. We don't know why God had to leave at daybreak. Maybe he just really loves sunrises. <laughs> he just didn't want to miss his morning coffee, but he's like, I got to get out of here. And Jacob realizes something in this moment. He realizes that he's not wrestling with the man. He's wrestling with God. And I also think he realizes something that he's been wrestling with God his whole life. 
he's been trying to, he's been trying to make God do what God said he would do. Do you see the theme? Over and over and over and over again, he's constantly trying to manipulate and work situations into his own favor. He can't help himself. Even though it continually goes bad for him, he keeps doing it over and over. He just keeps trying to make it happen. And there he is, and now his hips broken or out of socket and, and he realizes, oh my goodness, he has this moment of clarity. He's like, oh wait, this is God. And I need, I need to hold on for dear life. I need to stop fighting and I need to start clinging. Look at this, but Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed them there. See, Jacob understands, he's like, oh, this is God. I gotta get, I gotta know who he is. So Jacob called that place Peniel saying, it's because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. And the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. And therefore to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Amazing story. He starts wrestling, he starts fighting, but he ends up clinging. He's weaker in one sense because he's limping, but stronger in a greater sense because he's held on to God and God has blessed him. And God has changed him and God has changed his situation. He goes on to meet Esau with the 400 men and guess what? They don't kill him. What happened? God, God showed up, changed the situation, changed Jacob and now he walks different with a greater confidence, a greater peace, a peace he has been looking for and scraping for and fighting for his entire life and has not been able to find. And now when he holds on to God, instead of fighting God, he finds it. Three takeaways from this passage, very quick, very quick applications that I wanna encourage you with today. Number one, when we fight for our way, we lose. Number two, when we yield to God's way, we win. And number three, it's not too late to stop fighting because God keeps fighting for you. Great, great little story with great application. If we're gonna unpack this before we do, turn and tell at least three people, man, you need to stop fighting and start clinging. Come on, find three people and just say, you need to stop fighting and start clinging. Number one, when we fight for our way, we lose. Have you ever seen somebody else make the same mistake over and over and over and over again? And just when you thought they couldn't make it again, they make it again. Come on, just raise your hand if you've ever seen somebody do that. How many of you ever been that someone? Come on, just raise your hand. It's frustrating, isn't it? It's frustrating. When, when you find yourself doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, and this is Jacob and he's conniving and he's manipulating and he's trying to get what he wants. Question, what do you want? What do you want today? Because a lot of times the thing that you think you want 
you don't really want. The thing that you really want is God. The thing that your soul is searching for is God. It's not more money. It's not more pleasure. It's not more stuff. That stuff will leave you lacking. And when you chase it and you try to manipulate and you're forcing, you will find yourself fracturing relationships. You'll find yourself deceiving to get what you want. You'll find yourself manipulating people and situations and it going bad for you and then people being mad at you and then you're running from this one only to get over to this one, only to get over to this one and then God shows up and then you try even manipulating God to give him. When really what you don't want is to manipulate God, you just wanna be with him. You don't wanna fight him, you wanna cling to him because when we fight for our way, we actually miss out on the very thing we're trying to get. When we do things our way, we miss out on his way and his way is the way. It's the way that it should be done because he's the creator of all things and he gets to determine how it should be done. So when we do our own thing, it only leads to frustration. Flesh only leads to more flesh. So what you, what, what you sow, you will reap. It's the law of the harvest. If you sow the flesh, you're gonna reap the flesh. You sow control, you're gonna reap being controlled. When you sow lies, you're gonna reap, you're gonna reap the consequences of those lies. When you sow deceit, you're gonna reap the consequences of the deceit. When you, when you sow sexual immorality, you're gonna reap consequences of sexual immorality. God's way is the best way. And when we fight for our way, we lose. And God will show up and he'll start pushing on things, won't he? Like it's like the hip, Jacob's hip, he'll start pushing on things. Be like, hey, you need to address that. Cause this is a way that you're trying to, you're trying to make this happen and you're frustrated. And I wanna bring it to your attention, not because I'm trying to hurt you, but because I'm trying to heal you. And if you would stop fighting long enough, you'll realize I'm actually trying to save your life. Maybe some of you even today, as you've been in church, maybe during the worship, during the sermon a little bit, Spirit of God is speaking to you. And he's starting to push on some stuff. He's like, man, you've been hiding some things. You've been deceitful, you've been lying, you've been on, you've been dishonest. You've been trying to manufacture and manipulate situations and it's got you nowhere. It's got you into some frustrating circumstances and you think you're okay because you think, man, if I could just make one more play, if I could just make one more manipulation, I can get there. And you buy the lie that Jacob bought that you can figure it out on your own, doing it your way. And you need to stop because you've lost and you're only gonna continue to lose. So when we fight for our way, we lose, but when we let God have his way, we win. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I think this is where God was trying to get Jacob the whole time. His whole life, he's wanted him to get to this place of promise. Think about it for a moment. What did Jacob leave in order, what did Jacob leave because of his trickery with Esau? He left the promise. What was the promise? The, the, the promise was the land, right? 
It was the promised land and people and blessing. So he left the promise to pursue his own way. And because he left, he was pursuing his own way. He left the very thing that God was trying to bring him. And if he would have just surrendered at the beginning and said, you know what? I know Esau looks like he's the one who's getting the inheritance. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's certainly hairier. He's the hunter, he's the leader, he's the out. But God, I'm just gonna trust that the promise you spoke to me, you will bring about because we can know this, that he who began a good work in us will bring it about unto completion. That's God's word for us, that's truth. And we can hold on to it. If he would have just done that, can you imagine how different his life would have been? If he would have just said, I'm not gonna fight, I'm not gonna trick my brother, I'm not gonna trick my father, there would have been so much more blessing. He wouldn't have had the whole uh, Laban thing. I mean, he missed out because he couldn't get to a place of surrender. Some of us are fighting God and he's like, I just want you to get to a place where you say, God, do what you wanna do. I wanna do this your way. I'm sick of getting the result I'm getting. I wanna step back. I wanna lean in. I want your will. So there's part of this that's very like surrender and surrender in one sense is passive, but I actually think it's an active surrender. The Bible talks about in Romans that, that, that we are living sacrifices. It's like we, we, we offer ourselves on the altar, but we have to continue to offer ourselves because we wanna hop off the altar. So we have to continue to dedicate our life to the Lord all the time. But it's not just surrender. I believe it's also prayer. But Jacob prays. He prays initially in his prayer. Oh God, please save me. Oh, I'm so worried and I don't deserve this and this. But then he prays. He prays the prayer he doesn't mean. And then he prays the prayer he does mean. And you know, the prayer he does mean is a lot shorter. Don't leave me. Oh God, I really, really need you. Please Lord, oh no, I'm not letting you go. Oh God, I'm not leaving this place. Oh no, Lord, I need you. I realize that it's you and I've been fighting you and I'm sorry and please don't let me leave this moment without blessing me. That's the real prayer. The big flowery prayer usually isn't the real prayer. Oh, gracious heavenly father, oh Lord of hosts of all the ages. Oh Lord God, thee who spoke the word into existence. You know, you're just trying to impress him. He's like, I just want you to come real. And he says, I want, I want you. And he realizes that he's in a battle, not against God, but with God against the world. I wanna encourage you, you are not in a battle against God. You are in a battle with God against the world and against the devil and against the flesh. And man, that's powerful because when we can understand that, it's like, oh God, I'm not fighting against you, but I actually get to fight with you against the world. I get to partner with you and I get to pray. There is power in prayer. And so what God wants us to do is to take that activator. Some of us are control freaks and we wanna, we wanna do something. I can't just sit here. 
I can't just sit here and let everything just go to waste. I gotta do something. But don't, you don't force it. You don't manipulate. You say, God, I'm gonna seek you. I'm gonna trust you. And I'm gonna partner with you to bring the change that you wanna bring about, about. Because you are the one who can do it. My, my faith is not in my way, but yours. And I'm tired of struggling and ending up with frustrating results. I'm gonna trust you and see what you can do. This is why prayer matters. There is power in prayer. I want to encourage you to have a regular prayer life. You should pray. You should pray more than you should post. Come on, somebody. Let me just post in our thoughts. How about we pray our thoughts first? Submit them to God. There is power in prayer. There is more power in prayer. But you're fighting. You're fighting. So you're losing, you're wrestling and God's showing up and he's gonna be right there and he's gonna, he's gonna put you in a situation. It feels like he's attacking you. He's actually just trying to bring something out of you so he can do his work inside of you. And the good news for all of us is this, the last thought is it's not too late to stop fighting because God keeps fighting for you. Again and again, God gives his promise to Jacob. He gives his promise again and again. He meets him. He has the, the, the latter experience. He, Jacob tries to work God. God still loves him. God still blesses him. As he's coming back to Esau, there is a verse that we did not read initially, verse one of chapter 32. Jacob also went on his way and the angels of God met him. So here he is. He's running back to Esau He's afraid and the angels of God met him. So he named it the camp of God. He's like, oh, surely God is here. Again and again, God is showing up to Jacob when he does not deserve it. God is chasing Jacob. Why? Because he promised Jacob that he would be Jacob's God and that he would bless him and that there would be many descendants. In fact, he had promised Isaac. In fact, he had promised Abraham, grandfather Abraham. He had made a promise and God was going to keep his promise because God keeps his promises. So God's chasing Jacob, not because of Jacob, but in spite of Jacob. And the one who was wrestling Jacob is the one who would wrestle the devil himself. There'd be a moment where, Je- where Jesus would wrestle, would wrestle the devil himself, wrestling in a garden of Gethsemane before he goes to the cross and he's, and he's wrestling and he's, and he's praying and he's, and he's working through it. And ultimately he overcomes his flesh. He says, not my will, but your will be done. And and you know where that same God, that same Jesus is right now, fighting for us at the right hand of God. Watch this, Romans chapter eight. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is that the one who condemns? No one, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life. Where is he? He is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. He's fighting for you. 
today. Take hope in that. Take encouragement in that, that the Son of God is praying for you. He's at the right hand of God pleading for you, believing for you. God is for you. So who can be against you? He's working it out. We just got to trust. We got to lean in. We got to say, God, I'm going to believe. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to trust that you are doing what you said you would do. You don't have to make it happen. You just gotta go to God and then you can watch him make it happen. And sometimes he'll fix your situation and sometimes he'll fix you. Both are awesome. But we'll let him do the working, amen? Amen, it's a place of joy. It's a place of peace. See, we're fighting, we're striving, we're struggling and there's no peace there. God wants you to know peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And He will give you that peace if you will just let Him work Himself out in your life. He's, he's, not, he's not done fighting for you. A friend of mine, this week, I was hanging out with a friend and he was telling me of a story that uh, their family had adopted this 11-year-old girl, had a family connection, and the family uh, had been homeless and so she had, uh, they were living like outside and, and so this girl has grown up in this situation, her whole, basically her whole life. And so they adopted her and so like, you know, they're bringing her in, you know, into their family and they're going out on trips and stuff like that. And, and they're noticing when she goes to a hotel, like she wants to like get all the shampoos that she possibly can because she doesn't know when she's gonna find another one ketchup packets, salt packets, sugar packets, because she's, she's, she's like, I, I don't know where we'll get another opportunity. And, and my friend was telling me, he's like, he's, he's having to tell her like, you don't have to worry about shampoo bottles. We've got, we've, got a, like, we've got a lot of shampoo. And if we need more, we'll just go get some. And, and so he's constantly trying to tell her, he's like, you, you will never have to worry about this again. You don't have to worry about this. And I feel like the Spirit of God is saying to all of us, stop hoarding. Stop trying to make all of this happen on your own. If you will seek God, there's wisdom, there's wisdom, wisdom has its place. Save, like all of that, but I'm talking about the Spirit. I'm talking the Spirit of your life. Is your life marked with this anxiousness, this I'm pushing this all through? Or do you just need to rest in the arms of the Father who says, I love you with an everlasting love and I'm holding you. And if you'll just hold on to me, you're gonna experience a peace that you can never make happen on your own. It's found in his presence, amen? And he wants to show up. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this amazing story. This very detailed story of how we can um, experience your, your goodness and your, and your will in our life. And Father, I know this is speaking to so many people who are trying to make things happen and are frustrated and who need to take a step back and trust you. Lord, I know this story well. It is, it's a story I find myself repeating where I, I, I want to struggle, I want to strive, but Lord, I need to just step back and trust you. And I pray that God, you would let this this very powerful story speak to people today. Lord, I pray that you would encourage hearts, that you would strengthen minds. Lord, I pray that there would be some honest, vulnerable moments 
I pray that we would just do a little business with you today, not trying to work you, but trust you. That God, you would have your way in our lives. That you would be God. With every head bowed and every head closed, just wanna take a moment. And I I really want this to be a moment, you and God. Are you fighting God today? Are you struggling? Are you striving? Are you trying to make things happen? And are you experiencing frustration because of it? If you are, God is here and he might feel like he's pushing against you, but he's not. He's just trying to push on something so that you can be free, that you can walk different, that you can live different, that you can have a peace and a confidence because you've met with the creator of your soul. And he will give that to you, that peace that passes all understanding if you'll just trust him. If you're here today and God is speaking to you and he's working on some stuff and he's digging some stuff today and you're saying, man, this is speaking to me and I need God to help me today in a specific way to take a step and stop fighting and to start clinging. And I don't know what it could be. Maybe you're trying to make people like you. Maybe you're trying to uh, make business deals happen. Maybe it's uh, relationships that you're trying to control or um, Whatever it might be, you're just in a situation where you're fighting and God's like, I just want you to start clinging. If if this is speaking to you, I just want you to make a place with God today and say, God, I need your help. Would you slip your hand all across this place? A believer and you're saying, this is speaking right to me. Just raise your hand all across this place and reach out for God. And let's just make a place of prayer right now. Can we do that? Father, we we just seek you and we just welcome you. And we just ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts and help us, Lord, to stop fighting and to start clinging, Lord, to trust you in greater ways, to believe you to move in our lives in greater ways. And Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, you stand with me all across this place. I, I wanna take a moment and all of us have a chance to respond. I'm gonna ask those to be praying at the front to come down at this time. And um, we're gonna be praying for needs. If you have a need, we're gonna just start, we're gonna pray, we're gonna worship you. If you want prayer for healing, if you want prayer, for spiritual healing. If you want prayer for your marriage, you want prayer for God to show up, God to help you maybe in an area that you need to surrender. Let us pray with you. Let us believe that that you will do business today and you will leave different, that you will walk different. You will be different because you've met with God. And for the rest of us, can we just take a moment before we leave and just say, Lord, we seek you. Would you lift your hands all across this place? Would you just begin to just make an altar right where you are and say, God, I'm tired of choosing my own way. I'm tired of trying to make this happen. And I'm just gonna trust you. The situation you're dealing with, situations in this place, and you're saying, God, I'm tired. I'm worn out. And God, I'm, I, I, I'm just, I'm gonna cling to you. I'm not gonna fight you. I'm gonna fight with you against the flesh, against the world, against the, the enemy of our souls. Lord, we just make an altar in this place today. And we say, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Lord, we desire you most of all. And we trust you and we lean into this moment and we say, God, have your way in our hearts. We love you and we praise you. We seek you. We make you the highest thing today, the greatest thing in our life. Jesus' name. Let's just worship.